Hey everyone, I'm Jacob Cohen Donnelly, and this is a Media Operator. This show is a discussion about building media companies for current and prospective media operators. We discuss business models, products, subscriptions, advertising, commerce, everything to help you with your media business. To learn more and to become a premium member of the newsletter, visit amediaoperator.com slash AMO podcast to receive 10% off a yearly subscription. My guest this week is Austin Reef, the co-founder and COO of Morning Brew. Over about 45 minutes, we discuss audience development and sales for the 2 million plus subscriber audience, and then how he sees the business evolving with the addition of paid subscriptions. We also spend some time talking about his personal fascination with the creator economy and how he sees business models evolving beyond just everyone opting for subscriptions. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Over the past year, Morning Brew has received a good amount of press covering the early years of the business, so I don't really want to rehash what has already been written. But can you give a synopsis really quickly of what Morning Brew is and the early years leading up to 2018? For sure. So in 2015, Alex Lieberman, who was my co-founder, was doing some interview prep with friends and that quickly transitioned to a newsletter. And I quickly, a couple months later, came on board and we started writing was initially a PDF attachment called Market Corner, then transitioned to Morning Brew. Uh, which was a you know a classic newsletter like you see today. And the basic idea was that college students really struggled to resonate with the business world. So we were at the University of Michigan and people really couldn't uh, or didn't want to read the journal or The Economist. And so we gave them a better alternative, a more conversational and witty business read. And one of the early aha moments we had was when we realized this wasn't just a problem for college students. This was a problem for young business professionals as well. And so that really expanded our mind to what the total addressable market can be beyond just college students, but really all people. And we worked on it all throughout college. And then 2017, I graduated and we went full time. And so in at the end of 2017, early 2018, you, you raised a single friends and family round of, I believe it's reported, $750,000. And basically, that was it. You had the money and you just you went on to the races. Is that about right? Yes, that's right. So from 2015 to 2017, that's when a bunch of the big media companies raised massive rounds. And so for those couple of years, we always thought, oh, we'd graduate and we'd raise big rounds. And that was very attractive. Uh, it was pretty fortunate that we weren't able to raise everything. We didn't want to raise in those two years because we were college students and it was still a side project. And by 2017, our vision uh, for the future of the business was very different, at least from a capital perspective. We wanted to create, or we thought we could create, a business that functioned off of very little capital and got the profitability early and that got, gave us optionality and that that played out. I want to talk about your audience because for most media companies, they view their audience either as a specific demographic or for B2B companies, you know, a specific industry or job function. Morning Brew looks at his audience from a psychographic perspective. Can you explain what that concept of a psychographic audience means? Yeah, so our audience is pretty wide. So it's not, yeah, like I said before, initially it was college students, but it's expanded beyond that. It's not just a single job function. So the way we like to talk about it is that it's a, it's a psychographic of person. We call it the modern business leader. 
It is the young, uh, you know, intellectually curious uh, business professional, people who are always looking to learn more or to get smarter. And uh, th that is who we write for. And so that's who we've been writing for since day one. We like to think about it as this, uh, this, this imaginary person uh, who is intellectually curious, but also not too serious. And we've kind of painted the picture internally about who this person is. And that's helped guide the way we write and the way we think about launching new products or, or talking to advertisers is about this, this intellectually curious, uh, hungry driven person. As you know, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about distribution being probably one of the most important parts of building a media business besides actually having cash flow coming in, you know, into the bank. You know, going from 2018, you raised your round, you started growing your audience really aggressively, you know, 2019, 2020. How has your audience development evolved over the years? Yeah, so starting in, in 2017, we had this mantra of right, grow, sell, which we were hyper, hyper focused on a single newsletter. And a bunch of people in media told us we were kind of crazy to focus on a single product, especially one in email. But all we, we cared about was just growing our audience and not just growing our newsletter, just absolute numbers. We, for the longest time, we actually had what we called the, the great wall of opens. And every single day we would track at 11 a.m. how many daily opens we had because that's all we cared about was just people engaging and opening uh, with the newsletter. And so for a very long time, that was it. Every single day, daily opens, that's all that mattered. As we've grown... And we're still in this transition now, the transition from single product to media company, we have multiple KPIs. So you know, we track podcast downloads of uh, business casual, we track retail brew readers, but we just think about them in very different ways. We really care about uh, you know, who the person is way more for the retail professionals. So we want to make sure that they are retail professionals and it's not just you know, a random morning brew reader reading, but someone that really cares and, and is in the retail profession. So as we continue to grow, audience development and growth as a whole, which at Morning Brewer are you know on, in the same org, is going to continue to evolve and view things differently. And my goal over the next few years is that we're tracking a bunch of KPIs and we're thinking more about the Morning Brew ecosystem and less about a single newsletter. When you're when you're a small company or you're a small product, there are certain tactics that you do to grow your, your your audience that work that might not work as you get larger. Have there been examples of of specific audience development tactics that simply just don't work anymore that when you were in 2017, 2018 were really great drivers of new newsletter signups? I'm trying to think. I don't think anything doesn't work anymore because we were we were small and now we're big. I think there are a lot of things that are just less effective, proportionally speaking. So, for example, uh, we used to uh, buy a bunch of ads in other newsletters, and we still do that. It's still an effective way for us to grow. But we were really early. That was one of the very early uh, insights we had. And that in 2018, our big growth year, uh, that was huge for us. And... That was big, but these other newsletters haven't scaled with us. So a combination of exhausting those newsletters and them not scaling means it's just it's just less effective for us on a percent basis. So 
we try to look for new things and new insights. And, and that's what we're, you know, I, I, I'm definitely, to your point, uh, distribution minded. And I'm always thinking and looking for the next, I don't like the word growth hack, but the next opportunity. Uh, and we've had a few of them. You know, newsletters was one. A second one was we were on uh, Instagram stories very, very early. And for those first couple weeks of being on Instagram stories ads very early, we saw single, like for a couple of days, it was five cent CACs, then 15 cent CACs. And so we were pouring every penny we had into that opportunity. And I'm constantly looking for new opportunities like that to grow and to find things that will be meaningful. But as you get bigger, everything just, it's just different, right? You're not going to find anything that's going to double you when you're at 2 million subscribers, like you could have when you were at 50 or 75,000. Do you find now that you are at 2 million subscribers that your your CACs have been increasing to the point that you need to find new tactics or are all your channels still driving pretty sufficient growth for your your internal KPIs? Things are, are going well. I, I think for us, it's more about the, the channel than our size. So we've tested different platforms, you know, other than Facebook and Google. Uh, so let's go like with Reddit or Quora. And they all work well for a couple of weeks, but they get exhausted very easily. Their platforms just don't work for us. I'm not saying they don't work for everyone, but just for us, we've struggled there. And so uh, the, the the main channels have still been very effective for us. And as you know, it's been talked about a lot, our referral program you know, still hums along. And that's that's been huge for us. And getting that right early on was one of, if not the most important factors for our success. We just, we could take, even as a boot, uh, even as a company that raised very little capital, we could take more risks. Uh, and now we have more data on knowing who refers. And it's not surprising, but just having more confidence in knowing who refers is great for us to test new acquisition channels. So, you know, you, you talked about how you, you know, the, the flywheel really of, of Bootstrap Media, you create content, you build an audience, you sell the audience, that gives you capital to invest in more content. Uh, so I want to pivot to your business model. You are unabashedly very pro-advertising, uh, which in this day and age of everything having to be a subscription is, you know, a little, a little controversial perhaps. And you've leveraged that stance into an eight-figure business. Walk us through the various advertising products that you currently offer your partners, you know, specifically in your newsletter, because as far as I know, there are, are multiple. Yeah, so you, had, you have to break it down by newsletter. But if you look at Morning Brew, we have a bunch of different placements. So we have the, the standard Morning Brew primary placement, which is a logo at the top and about 150 words of editorial. Uh, you know, it's that's the key, right? When people talk about ad businesses, it, it, it's... It's too general. You can't talk about ad businesses. You can't. It's not comparing apples to apples. A business that's monetized uh, through banner ads on a site where eighty-five percent of your traffic is is through SEO is so different than a newsletter where you own the emails and you own that relationship and you can estimate LTVs pretty accurately and you can know your CACs. It's it's such a different business. And so we have the the primary ad. We have a secondary ad some days, which is a you know no logo at the top, but about eighty words of of uh, native sponsorship editorial, uh, and then we have what we call our bruise bets section, which will put one or two bruise bets in there, and those are uh, thirty to forty words, I believe. So those are like the the standard options, but then we have the ability to take over the entire newsletter 
where we'll put a co-branded logo at the top and you'll own every ad unit. And that performs extremely well. Uh, that is our by far our best. It's, it's our most expensive ad unit, but it also performs the best by far. Uh, brands have been thrilled with that. So that's that's Morning Brew. And then in retail marketing and emerging tech, we have similar ad units, but we're constantly testing different type of ad units to ensure that we're creating the right ad units for the right product. And, and that's one thing we're going to really focus on going forward is making sure that we're not just creating carbon copies of of morning brew products as we continue to grow. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, with morning brew, the native ad treatment might be the right product, but as you start going down these verticals, which, you know, in a little bit, I want to talk more about those. There are other types of products that you can offer. I've seen you guys do some webinars. I've seen some sponsored content published on the website. Are you finding your more, your, your, your more niche clients are, are they more interested in those types of products versus the standard native treatments? Yes, I would say definitely. So if you look at a product like Retail Brew, it's less about, as you know, as, as much as anyone, it's less about quantity and more about quality. And so if you take a B2B advertiser is really looking to get in front of the retail audience, they're looking for frequency of touch points. And so they want to buy placements in the newsletter. They want to buy branded content on the site. They want to buy both sponsored and branded uh, virtual events so on and so forth. They want lead gen, uh, you know, they, they want everything. They want to work with us and they want us to be the, you know, to be able to scale with us to get into the, the you know, 10x their spend, what they're doing now. And so that's what we're working on. We're working on building our, our ad offerings. So we don't just have to go to a partner who wants to get in front of a retail professional audience and say, hey, here's a couple retail placements. No, we want to go to people with packages and say, hey, we can sell across retail and you can buy these seven ad units for a year-long campaign. And that's what we're working hard to achieve on the ad side. So pivoting now from your ad business to your technology stack, because Morning Brew, you know, you have your referral system. Uh, your product manager, Tyler, uh, wrote a great piece about you know various systems that you have, you know, at what point do you believe it makes sense for a media company to start creating their own bespoke internal tools versus just relying on off-the-shelf tech? I think it it really depends what's out there and what you need. And so I, I would say for a non-heavily venture-backed company, I would always default to using third-party tools. They have to be a big hindrance for you to spend the time to build something. For us, we knew we were going to build a business off the back of email. And so we knew having the best email tools possible is so important. And so for us, it's not a choice we wanted to make, but more of a choice we had to make because there was nothing out there. But if there was, some, it was not a cost thing. So if there was something out there, we would have certainly used that. Uh, you know, I think a, a, an example is you look at like ESPs, right? It's not as if we built our own ESP. We, we probably could. I know about a couple other media companies have, and I'm sure they're saving money from it. But we're not going to build an ESP to save money, at least not right now. We would build an ESP if our ESP couldn't do what we needed it to do. You mentioned before emerging tech brew, retail brew, uh, marketing brew. Uh, at one point, you even had a political newsletter, though uh, it does look as if that has been shut down. What is the logic? Like, how, how, when you started launching these verticals, 
what was the business plan around them? You know, why did you decide to move into these new markets? How did you make that decision? And as you think about each of these sub verticals, you know, how do you think about audience development for them that is in a different strategy than, say, the main product? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, end of 2018 was when we were at about 750,000 subs and we really saw a path to a million and we knew a million was going to build a really profitable business. And we had two choices. One, just keep on doing more of the same or two, starting to experiment with different verticals and so, or, or different things. And so we, we emailed our audience and we said, Hey, wh- what do you want? And we got two responses. One was we want a podcast, which is very sexy. Of course, everyone going to say that. But the second thing was really interesting. We got a lot of emails saying, Hey, I work in marketing, I work in retail, I work in tech, I work in other industries. I love Morning Brew. All the content in our industry is so boring and so dry. You know, maybe my company puts something out, but not interesting stuff. Would love a Morning Brew for X, a Morning Brew for retail. And over the the years, we got hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of these emails. And so at some point, it's like you just got to give the audience what they want. So uh, I had you know, learned from people like you and people like uh, Sean over at Industry Dive and a few other companies that you know, B2B media, if done well, can be a good business model. And so we took a stab at it. We didn't make a massive investment in it. Uh, we hired a writer and we, we saw what happened and, and we saw success. And we've continued to grow them out. We just launched our third and we're seeing really good success. And it's pushing us to think differently about the B2Bs. Then we did the B2Cs or then we did Morning Brew and we continue to think differently. And I, I think they, they've been really successful, but for us, it's really, it's, it's really day one with the, the B2B properties. We have so much room to grow in nurturing those audiences, building more products. Uh, we definitely don't want to just be a newsletter company and within the verticals, we certainly don't want to be. And so like you mentioned before, we've launched a few virtual events and other things. But in 2021, we're really doubling down on the B2B verticals uh, from a personnel perspective to make sure we're creating the right quantity and types of content uh, and then serving our advertisers in the best possible way. And then in terms of audience development, as you asked, for us, like I said before, it's definitely a, a game of ensuring we have the right people reading and not quantity. So whereas Morning Brew, we still track opens every single day. We definitely track that for retail marketing and emerging tech, but it's more who is opening and how often are they opening and, and how are they engaging. And, and for us, it's pretty cool to do a, 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 a virtual event because we have to gather information. We get to see not only who is who's opening, but who's actually engaging enough to sign up for a virtual event. And, and we were shocked the first time we ran a virtual event, how the, the quality of people reading was incredible and it just gives us a lot of optimism for the future that we really can build awesome B2B properties in our same tone, style, format, and design. One of the other requested products was a podcast. And you have launched a podcast. You, It's very clear that you have a, a, a celebrity on your hands there. How do you view the relationship between the podcast and the newsletter? Are they truly separate products? Do they complement each other? Has it helped with audience development and or sales? Yeah. So first and foremost, Kinsey is a star. Kinsey's incredible. Uh, and we lucked into that. We did not hire her to be a podcast host. We hired her to be a business writer. And I think we hosted a panel and Kinsey hosted. 
and afterwards, we were, and I was pretty against podcasts at the time. And we're like, we have to launch a podcast. She's incredible. And so we launched Business Casual and it's been great. I don't see it as an extension of Morning Brew. I see it as another property engaging the same psychographic of person in a different format, in a little bit different of uh, an environment, right? It's a 25, 30 minute podcast versus the newsletter is a five minute read, but it still hits that modern business leader. If you're, you're a curious, you know, intellectually curious person, you want to not only read five minutes of news in the morning, but you also want to listen to Kinsey interview Ray Dalio or Adina Freeman, the CEO of the NASDAQ or any of the other uh, incredible people we've had on the podcast. And so we're starting to capture a little bit more of people's time. Uh, I'm pretty bullish on uh, not just podcasts. And again, we've talked about this a lot, but I view podcasts not as a product, but just as a really interesting way to convey a brand. And as we launch more brands, I think a podcast is a great way to do that. And obviously, uh, we are not the first company to do this. Uh, Crooked's done this really well, so has Barstool. But they leverage audio and social to really build brands. And then once you build affinity, you move people around. And I think that's something that's really attractive for us. And we've proven that out with Business Casual. And that's something we're going to invest in further in 2021 as well. Is there a future with Business Casual where it becomes a full-blown video exercise? Or are you going to not make the mistake that every other media company makes and enter video? So I actually don't think it is a mistake to enter video if you do it in the right way. So I view video very much as, as a barbell. You either create incredibly, incredibly high quality video, you know, like movies or, or Netflix shows, or you create video that costs you $0. And that's the type of video we want to create. It's unfortunate that COVID I mean, you know, we, we can do this podcast and I'm sure it'll sound, I hope it sounds pretty good, but watching two talking heads next to other on Zoom isn't great. But I do think there's an opportunity to enter video as a brand building play if you're creating really low cost video, leveraging the talent you have and leveraging the guests that come on your podcast. So I think video as a byproduct of a podcast is great. And then what is the other video you can shoot on your iPhone that, that you can post on social to, you know, get more impressions, more repetition with your, with your audience. I mean, the, the cost of creating content right now is so low that you're at such, such a disadvantage if you're not out there creating content, iterating and see what works and what does it. And our goal at least on the B2C side of the business, is to speed things up and move faster and test what works and what doesn't and double down on what works. So going back to the verticals, you know, again, right now you've got three vertical newsletters. Um, you know, you're, you're bringing on more staff in 2021 to kind of go deeper on those. Do you view the business really just being a handful of verticals that you go very deep on? Or do you, could you see a future where you've got 10 or 15 of these? It's a good question, something we, we talk a lot about. Right now, we're focused on going deeper. So I, I don't know the eventual number. I, I would say it's probably not 15. 
know, I would say it's closer to five or seven, but we've launched three and we think the opportunity to increase, if you, if you want to think about it very much from a business perspective, increase revenue per user is so high that we don't want to continue to grow uh, the, the number of verticals we have. We want to make sure we're doing everything we can to optimize what we currently have. And so yeah, from a B2B perspective, I think, uh, you know, we'll end next year, maybe four, maybe five, you know, who, who knows, we'll see, but we're not going to launch anything until we think we're doing a, a 10 out of 10 job in retail marketing and emerging tech. That's the vertical business. That's the advertising business. Let's, let's jump to another component of the business uh, from a revenue diversification perspective. Back in July, your co-founder tweeted that you were hiring a business research analyst to be the content engine behind the soon-to-be-launched paid membership. What is this paid membership? You know, in as much detail as you can go into, considering you haven't really launched it yet. And how do you see Morning Brew, the company, evolving to support that? Because a subscription business is different than an advertising business. Well, I really didn't expect you to come with the receipts there. You come with the actual tweet itself. Um, I, I respect the prep work. Uh, it's a good question. We are very much in the experimenting phases. We've done some A-B testing uh, with a few concepts. But we want to create something separate from Morning Brew. I think that is the important thing, that we are never going to paywall what we currently create. But we want to create something above and beyond that is part content, part community, uh, part resource that we can look at the modern business leader and say, what do these people need to better themselves and further themselves in their career? And how can we provide that for them? And so we're talking to a lot of people doing a lot of testing and thinking, what is the product that helps them advance in their career faster? Because we believe if we can create something that helps people advance in their career sooner than they would otherwise, that it's a no-brainer to pay us for that. And so that's what we're looking to do is create that, that no-brainer product where you know if you're a motivated uh, business professional, you sign up because this is going to better your career. In terms of the details, uh, you know, I, I can't share too much of what we've been testing, but uh, it, it again, it, it's it's a combination of really great content and community and learning experiences and resources and and hopefully we think this will be the the go to place for you to join to enhance your career and just improve faster. You and I talk a lot about how, uh, and it, it's your phrase, like promotes like really well, unlike doesn't really promote unlike very well. So newsletters promote newsletters very well. Podcasts promote podcasts very well, but that the two don't really promote each other very well. From your, you know, from whatever testing you have done that you, again, that you're willing to talk about, you know, have you, have you tested your audience's propensity to pay for something? And have you tested how that audience converts when it's not a newsletter product? Because again, like promotes like, unlike doesn't promote unlike. Yes. So, I mean, you, you kind of just said it, but you know, I, I really fundamentally believe that. And so I think it's a very good assumption to say that this product will uh, be rooted in a newsletter. Uh, and so I think that will solve some of that problem. It won't only be a newsletter, but a newsletter will be a key component because 
for every other reason, the newsletter is great because you own the audience because like promotes, you know, like converts well to like products. Uh, so it will definitely have a newsletter component. We have tested propensity to, to pay and we're moving forward. I mean, that's what I can say is we're confident enough to make a bet and, and make some hires and, and build a team and test this thing. And, and we're really excited about it. I want to ask you one last question about Morning Brew, and then I want to uh, give you the opportunity to stretch your non-Morning Brew media brain. Where do you see Morning Brew, the business, in the next three years? It's a, it's a good question. I think we are going to be the go-to place for, again, going back to psychographic, and we talk about all the time, for modern business leaders. But it's going to stretch well beyond what it is now. So if you look at it right now, it's a five-minute daily read. It's a podcast for a select number of people. Uh, and then it's we have three industries. But we want to hit people in way more places. So we look at what are all the, the areas of interest that have massive overlap of our audience? Right? What are the things that people really care about beyond just daily business news? So the B2B business is the professional side of things. The podcast is deeper uh, interview, deeper business knowledge. The paid product is even deeper, and that's how do I advance my career. But there are all these other franchises that we want to launch that help educate people about you know, non-news topics that people care about. So do people care about their money right, and how they save their money? Can we build a franchise around that? Do people care about productivity? Do people care about career? Like, what are all these things that we can build content and personality and a brand behind that we can begin to build up our audience with some of our current audience because there's a big overlap, but also build new audience. Maybe people who uh, either don't want to read daily news or maybe people who don't engage with email on a day-to-day basis, but they engage with podcasts more frequently, whatever it may be. And so we will have this place where people can come and they can basically pick the the franchises which resonate with their business lives. And so maybe you read Morning Brew, you're in retail, uh, so you read Retail Brew. Maybe you're not into interviews, so you listen to the podcast, but then you read our content on something like personal finance because you really care about your personal finances. And so it almost like a choose-your-own-adventure role of so many different properties uh, where or you know, multiple properties where you can really engage uh, with Morning Brew uh, for multiple parts of your business life. Let's let's step away from Morning Brew. Austin is a media guy. He likes media. You know, you pay attention to a lot of it. You and I uh, talk about a lot of different types of media that isn't just newsletters. Uh, often newsletters. Where do you see the most opportunity in media today uh, that entrepreneurs? Either current, you know, either current owners or prospective operators are missing. I'm super interested in the the creator economy and all of these people like you with your Substack uh, and you know, media operator. How people are building these personal brands, and then even more interesting to me is how people are monetizing these brands. And it's so interesting to see the people who opt to go for subscription versus the people who opt to sell ebooks on Gumroad or or do courses on Teachable. And I think this economy is going to be huge because the the barrier to just like 
in direct to consumer where the barrier to create a direct to consumer product with Shopify and Stripe got so low that there are thousands of these, you know, there's like what, 200 direct to consumer mattress companies. It's going to be the same thing with business. There are going to be 20 people writing about the direct to consumer world and 30 people writing about, uh, you know, every industry. And, And there's so many niches and there's so much room to create content. And what I'm most interested in thinking about is how do people monetize their content and how do they make sure that it fits their what they write about and their goals. And so I, I think too many people are are right now almost like sheep following the herd and just saying, oh, the trendy thing is to build a subscription newsletter. I'm going to do that. Or the trendy thing is to launch a podcast. I'm going to do that. And so what I think people are missing is just taking a step back and not listening to the, the Twitter uh, mentality, but really thinking about how can they build a business that makes sense for them, even if it's maybe not the best business model or the sexiest thing, but how can they build something that makes sense for the content they create? Yeah. I mean, one of the nice benefits of, of having any sort of a newsletter or a podcast is it's basically an open interview or an open, uh, an open job interview for anything, you know, whether it's, you know, you could use that newsletter to leverage a new opportunity, launch a consulting business, launch a course, like you said, um, you know, I do, I do think that there's, you know, the, the public publishing of, of, of information gives you such a head start. Do you, you know, there's, there was a project that just actually launched, um, the other day, or, or I just found it the other day called pre-subscribe, which is, you know, a place for people to vote for, big, well-known content creators to launch their own publications. So quite a few of the New York Times' biggest personalities uh, are all really high up on the leaderboard. Do you do you see this decentralization of media taking place where a lot of these legacy media reporters and, and personalities will branch off and launch their own businesses? Or do you think, do you think that more of this creator-driven economy will be more from people who might not be really well known yet and are sort of trying to use that as an opportunity to kind of push their way up. Yeah, this is a big topic and one I love to talk about. So I appreciate you bringing it up. I did see the pre-subscribe thing. I think it's awesome. So uh, there's a few ways to go here. First, compared to where we are now, where it's the first or second inning, I absolutely think the individual creators, like there are going to be people who leave, who leave the New York Times and leave the Wall Street Journal. Because right now, so few have. A few big names have, and they made a big splash. But in the grand scheme of things, we're so early. These companies, right, whether it's, uh, you know, Substack or, or even like the Patreons and the, even the Gumroads, right? They're, they're five or a couple. They're, they're not that many years old. And so we're in the very early innings, and it's just now getting more and more accessible. But I think what people, especially people in tech, miss is that for some people, it is their life dream, their goal in life to work at the New York Times. And so I, I, like they don't, they don't care how many people want to pay them directly. They want to report at the New York Times. I think it's very tough for people in, in tech to understand that because they don't resonate with that brand the same way people in media do. But I don't think there's going to be this max, mass excess. So I, I, I tweeted that out. Three of the top five people it was Taylor Lorenz. It was Mike Isaac. And I can't remember the third one. It may have been, uh, it may have been Maggie Haberman, but I'm not, I'm not positive, but, but anyways, but 
and I, I don't know any of them that well personally, but maybe these people just want to work at the New York Times because they love the New York Times, and, and that's totally fine. I actually think the the future of of these creators are actually going to be people who look more like you and Webb Smith, who are operators or were operators, who understands more about how to build a business. Because I think the thing that people underestimate is, sure, you may have a subscription newsletter, but how are you going to grow your audience? Or how are you going to run your finances or anything like that? And I know people are creating tools for that, but it's still tough. And so I think these former operators uh, are going to start creating these these individual companies and they're going to build them multi-tiered like you are with the newsletter, with a podcast, like Webb has his higher dollar community and really build out that stack of products from free to lower dollar to subscription. And I think there's going to be a, a, a huge evolution of, of those type of creators. I think the last thing about those people is they're really connected in the space they just worked in. And so like, you know, there's, you know, him, his name's Lenny. Uh, I believe he, he worked at Airbnb. I don't know him personally, but I read his newsletter. It's great. And he had this unbelievable advantage, which is he wrote about, he's writing about growth now and he worked in growth and all his friends are, and his coworkers were in growth. And so they're all going to share and sign up for his newsletter. And so, uh, and his content's great. This is not discounted content at all. It's awesome. But the head start he had was pretty incredible because he's writing about a space where he knows people are going to support him early on. And I think things like pre-subscribe help, but I don't think anything uh, is quite like the operator going in and building their own personal media company. Well, you know, we saw that with, uh, you know, with the Washington Post's debacle with the whole Trump ads. You know, a lot of people in in journalism freaked out. Uh, they, they, they got really offended by that saying, you know, how could the Washington Post sell that? And really only one media reporter kind of stepped up and was, you know, she was really rational about it. And that's, that's Sarah Fisher at Axios. And if you actually look at Sarah's background, she used to sell advertising. So again, she, by, by, by living on the other side of the wall, she understood how both sides work first as an ad sales, then as a journalist. And she was able to offer perspective that if there were some journalists, journalism professors were just losing their minds over that deal. Um, so, you know, going back real quick to the creator-driven economy, you like this stuff. I like this stuff. Morning Brew has just about, or if not more than 2 million subscribers on your list. Audience development is the hardest part of, the, of, of this whole business. Have you guys ever thought about incubating some of these creators and using your tech stack, your audience, your, 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 your sales abilities to sort of, you know, like I said, incubate multiple creator-driven economies or, or publications? Yeah, absolutely. And that a hundred percent, that is, that is where we're heading. And that is, that is to some extent, that's what we've done with, I mean, with our, uh, with our properties now, uh, you know, they're, they're not, we didn't bring on big names. Uh, they're not subscription newsletters, right. But, but yes, absolutely. We're going to do more of that, of leveraging our reach to bring someone on and try to boost their brand, their personal brand, the, the brand we create. Uh, I, I absolutely think Morning Brew is going to be the the hub, and we're going to have a ton of different spokes. And that's kind of what I was getting at before, which is you know, some of the spokes are going to be retail, marketing, emerging tech, but others are going to be other podcasts. Uh, 
we're launching another podcast that's going to be very much uh, personality driven. Uh, it's going to be two hosts, you know, talking more about the business world and the investing world and in more of a, you know, almost like a, a next generation mad money type of, of way. And we're really excited for that. And so absolutely, I think it's the, the world is going towards some people believe the world is going towards creators. I believe the world is going more towards the the combination of creators and brand. And no one talks about this better than than JD over at the Washington Post. And you know he he likes to compare it to music labels. I think it's a it's a good analogy uh, the way he talks about that. But again, it goes back to yeah, like people want to work at Morning Brew. People want to work at the New York Times because they want to have the infrastructure. And they want to have that flywheel that that the New York Times has built out to amplify your brand. And another great one is Axios. Axios does it so well uh, of really turning their their writers into almost like media celebrities. Uh, I think they've done a really great job uh, of doing that. It's amazing to think that how many years Morning Brew has been around considering, you know, you know, I, I really only found it about a year and a half ago. But starting in college, going through those early years, growing astronomically uh, to the point that you are now an eight-figure business, profitable, raised a single round, all very good success stories. But what really makes an entrepreneur is how they how they make mistakes and how they learn from them. So what are some like really fundamental mistakes that you've made as an organization and or as an individual? And what are some ways to prevent them from happening in the future? For me, the I'll talk about me personally. I don't, I don't need to talk about Morning Brew um, and the mistakes. that I'll just talk about my personal mistakes. I think for me, it mostly comes down to putting the right people in the – the right person in the right seat. And that's, that's really my job right now is to ensure that we have the right person in the right seat and that we have the right seats at the company. So we have the right roles at the company and we have the right people at the company and the right people are in the right role. And whenever we make a mistake, it's because we hired an amazing person, but we put them in the wrong position. Or we hired the wrong person, you know, someone who's not that amazing, for a position where they need to be a star. And so I know it's cliche, and I know that it's probably the answer most people are going to give, but it is so true. It is, it is, we have failed when we have not been thoughtful enough about creating the right org charts and then putting the right people in those charts and giving them the the opportunity to succeed. And what has been your biggest struggle going from, you know, a few employees to I believe you're close to 40 now and just based on like if I look at your job board, you'll probably be 60 by the end of 2021. What has been the biggest struggle of from growing like that? The company kind of changes every 25 or 30 employees and, and especially with COVID, it's how do you keep the, how do you keep the culture? Because I've never had, and I spent one summer in investment banking, but I never really had another job. So I'm, you know, whenever I interview someone, they always ask me, what's the culture like at Morning Brew? And I, I think I'm the, the worst person on the planet to answer that question because it's all I know. So I don't have anything to compare it to. But I do think we built a, a very special place to work. And with the combination of growing as fast as we are and COVID, it's something we spend a lot of time thinking about is how do we keep that culture when knowing that goals are aggressive and hiring roadmaps are aggressive and 
and we have to make sure we perform, but we can't just focus all about, you know, work and hitting goals. We have to focus about making sure people are advancing in their career and making sure that people feel like the culture at Morning Brew is one they can, one, enjoy working in, but two, thrive professionally. And so it's just, it's just all about making sure that people feel uh, like Morning Brew stays the same. This is a people business. You know, it's not, you know, in software, you can build systems and you can build, you know, you know, code that will do a lot for you. In the media business, it's all about people. And so, you know, it, it's important that both internally, but just like how your people react to people and, and, and everything. So, no, that's the fact that you focus on people with regard to, you know, mistakes and, 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 and culture. That's, that's, yeah. that's important. I, I don't know if it's, if it was Teal or some, or maybe it was Warren Buffett. So, someone has a quote. Uh, I think they both have quotes similar, but something about uh, like how many, something about asking the question, how many months would, could no one work at Google before you find out that no one's working there anymore because of the systems they have in place? And to your point, media is the exact opposite. You would know within 12 hours because we wouldn't send out a newsletter. And so it really is a people business. And there are so many stakeholders. You have content, uh, you have sales. You have to intermediate. And to your point, it's a challenge. You have to make sure that everyone understands the core values of the company or else there are going to be so many conflicts that arise. All right. So my uh, my last question is, you know, one of the hopes with a media operator is that, you know, current but also prospective media operators, you know, listen, they learn and perhaps decide to to launch a media business because it really isn't a fun field to work in. What is some advice you would offer somebody to be successful in media, you know, and, and, and how to thrive in this sort of a business, either as an employee, but more importantly, as someone looking to launch a business? There's, there's really no magic bullet, right? I think it is a few things. So I'll talk about what we've done, right? It's build an obsessive audience. If you don't have an obsessive audience, it doesn't matter. I'm trying to think of a single media company. Who has been? Who has not been around for a hundred years? Take all them uh, away, even though even though all they do have obsessive audience or most of them. But if you don't have an obsessive audience who really cares about your your product, nothing else matters. And so we can talk about fundraising and like my thoughts on media fundraising, how you shouldn't raise much capital. But none of that actually matters if you don't have an audience that if you didn't send out your content the next day, they wouldn't care about. And if you look at the the best media companies out there, the ones that are performing the best. It's that people actually care what they're talking about. And I think one of the best ways to do that is starting very niche and starting small. And yeah, it's really tough for, for if I want to start a new company to start a company and talk about like, I don't know, like business analysis, right? People do that really, really well. So maybe I would start analyzing, to your point, media businesses to what you're doing or, or analyzing software businesses to go niche and build an audience that actually cares because ultimately business model doesn't matter. People don't matter. Like nothing matters if people don't actually care about your content. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe and give it a five-star rating with your thoughts. If you want even more, sign up for the newsletter at amediaoperator.com. Each Tuesday, I analyze the latest media news. And on Fridays, I do deep dives into specific strategic and tactical topics about building media businesses. 
Thanks for listening and see you next week.